0: Hello and welcome back to the Sin Essential Podcast. My name is John Jigsaw Gilpatrick, and joining me for a special Halloween episode are spooky Sarah Gore. Sarah, how you doing?
1: Pretty spooky.
0: Good. It's an appropriate time of year for that. And uh, our editor-in-chief at TheSinEssential.com, Aaron Pennywise-Pinkston. Aaron, what's going on?
2: Uh, It's going well. Uh, That's funny that you mentioned Jigsaw right at the top, because just yesterday I sat in a room with some friends and watched the entire Saw series. Wow. Uh, So, yeah, if if I seem a little... um, in lust for life today. I was going to say blood, uh, bloodthirsty. <laughs> m- yeah, maybe if 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 I or if I sound terrified that I've wasted my life and and am going to be adu- abducted and put into a series of uh, grueling and horrifying tests. Uh, if you hear that in my voice today, that's probably why.
0: How many Saw movies are there?
2: Uh, there are seven.
0: That's what I there's su- okay. supposed to that be another like
2: one next six year. Too many. Uh, well, no, it's it's definitely. <laughs> Four too many. Okay. First, the first three are good enough. The last <laughs> That's a <ringing> four, endorsement. <laughs> well, so the first one is good. I mean, uh, we're not talking about Saw today, but well, we can, we like can hash yeah. this out. Yeah, <laughs> the, the first one is interesting. You know, it has that nice sort of it, very unique sort of narrative. You know, the two men trapped in a room, this great puzzle of. of figuring out why they're there and how to get out, you know, getting the clues out slowly throughout the, the film and then the crazy final scene, very famous twist ending. You know, it's good. It, it, it certainly has a cultural relevance, uh, especially in horror, that is important. I think that film will live on. Uh, two, I think, is actually a better film. It's more fun. There's, uh, It still kind of keeps the the fun conceit of a small group of people sort of trapped in a giant... Maze puzzle that they have to work together to figure out, uh, and I think it's actually, it's actually more fun. It's it's uh, it's a more complete film. And three is like it's a, it's okay. It it the wheels haven't come off yet. But by the time you get to the fourth, fifth, sixth film, they all kind of sort of just blend together. Uh, and then the seventh film is just god awful. Uh, have you seen any of the soft films, either of you? I haven't. Uh I'll die first yeah <laughs> That's I how i feel well no, i mean i know john i know you're not a big horror fan and i'm sure we'll get into that mm-hmm. um but sarah i know you are a fan of genre cinema so uh, you know i i could recommend the first two to you i think uh I, well, they're, yeah. they're they're good and they're they're fun and they're interesting and, and a little different um but once you get into the deep cuts of the of the saw series basically every film is 50 percent flashback and the the story gets so freaking complicated that the time and the timelines of these films are ridiculous. Like people complain about the fast and furious movies that the timelines are like weird and, and, and confusing. But so literally, I think it's the third and the fourth film are happening at the same time. And you don't know it until the very end of the movie, because the end of the fourth movie ends at the end of the third movie. And it gets weirder from there. Like you, it probably was exacerbated by watching all seven at this, you know, in one day, back to back, to back to back. Yeah. Uh, But there are points in some of those movies where you just do not know where they fit. Like what time of the, you know, series are we at this particular moment? And it just, it becomes, it just, it it really, uh, it's exhausting.
0: That size says it all. Yeah, indeed. (laughs) Um. So uh, the the film we're going to talk about this week, our essential of the week, John Carpenter's 1978 horror thriller, Halloween, a film that spawned a thousand imitators, uh, but one that many would say has no rival. Is Saw an imitator of Halloween? I mean, or do they? I mean, obviously they're both horror movies, but are they cut from the same um, cloth, or are they kind of their? Own? Um,
2: yeah, I, I don't know if I would put Halloween as a direct influence on Saw. I mean, certainly every movie that's been, every horror movie that's made, been made after Halloween has some sort of influence, I would say. Um, but it, it's not, it's not so direct. Mm-hmm. So, Saw's, Saw's much more of its era of the, the, the sort of the rise of the torture porn films. Yeah, uh, and, it, and it probably has a lot more uh, influence with like some of the West Craven movies from the era, like the Hills have eyes and, um, uh, Last House on the Left, some of those grittier, gorier uh, kind of exploitation films.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, so you can read all about uh, Halloween and why uh, our, you know, we and our uh, fellow writers for this essential consider it um, important and noteworthy. Uh, over at the website, TheSinEssential.com. But uh, before we jump into things, I wanted to kind of ask you guys about your respective relationships to this movie. Um, It was my first time watching Halloween, which is something that's going to be interesting, I think, over the course of this conversation. But Sarah, uh, how many times have you seen this? Is it something that you revisit a lot? And and kind of, generally speaking, horror, is that like a genre that you uh, are familiar with and a fan of?
1: A uh, fan is an interesting word because it implies that I enjoy it. <laughs> um,
0: Are you a tolerator and I don't of horror movies?
1: Know how true that is. Okay, but uh, like I have a deep, deep commitment to ha- to Halloween. The holiday of Halloween okay. is one of the best holidays, and that is the one month. October is the one month of the year where I'm like, all right. We got, we got 31 days for me to watch as many spooky things as possible. <laughs> At the end of this 31 days, I, nope, no thanks. That's I'm it. done. <laughs> I no longer have the impetus of the holiday to propel me forward.
0: That's commitment. Uh, okay.
1: <laughs> so I've actually been watching, trying to watch a bunch of stuff, uh, this month and Halloween, I think I saw for the first time, like way late for a lot of people uh, I think I didn't see it until I was like 20, 21, 22, like late into college for a class. Yeah. Uh, it was the first time I'd seen it. Scared me real good. <laughs> I, then I was surprised that I actually thought that it was very good. Um, I like it a lot. We own it. I watch it. I don't like to watch it every year because I like for it to still be able to, uh, to smooth. To spook me a little bit so I'll, I save my rewatches of it I space them out um yeah I actually like Halloween quite a bit um I don't I, I tend to be very selective with my horror I I don't I, I won't just I won't go to something just because somebody says it's pretty good <laughs> like okay. I was like it's got to have like a bunch of buzz around it like Babadook level buzz where people yeah. are like this is one of the most inventive horror movies I've seen or like A classic like *Shining*, like the classics. Uh, Then I'll watch it. But if it's just okay, then I pass.
0: So when Aaron says about *Saw* three that the wheels haven't come off yet, you're not uh, rushing out to uh, pick that one up. No,
1: (laughs) I mean there. I won't completely rule out the possibility that I might, maybe ever watch *Saw* one. But I also have a thing where I don't think gore is scary. I think gore is gross. Yeah. Like it's it disgusts me, and I won't want to look at the screen, and it might get me to jump. But it's not scary, and I won't be scared of it when I leave, just because I saw something that was yucky, like that. That I don't feel like that's real horror to me.
2: Yeah. And so if
1: I, because I watched so little of it, I'm like, no. If I'm gonna watch it, it better scare me.
0: <laughs> Aaron, you why know? don't you tell us about yeah. your relationship with Halloween? <laughs> So actually, I talked a lot about
2: this in my opening uh, statement for the film so you can you can read more of it there. But um, basically, I didn't like Sarah. I didn't really discover Halloween until a little bit later on. Mm. Uh, though I grew up watching horror films uh, through when I was a kid, through high school, you know, having people over on a Saturday night friends from high school and watching the craziest VHS horror films we could find at the video store. like a lot of people. Uh, have done of course Uh, so Halloween I don't think the first time I saw it was until I was in film school Um, so I and I think that kind of uh, tips my reading on the film yeah Uh, as I say in my opening statement I don't really think of it in the same way that I think of like the Friday the 13th movies or especially the Nightmare on Elm Street movies which I watched over and over and over again as a kid. Or like the Evil Dead movies, which we've covered on the site. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think of it more uh, as, well, one, a John Carpenter movie, mm-hmm. uh, and also more of uh, in a place of me becoming a budding cinephile uh, and thinking about cinematography, and thinking about editing, and thinking about production design. And for those things, I mean, Halloween is it's a masterpiece.
0: Yeah. For sure. I mean, uh, talking about like uh, perspectives and and camera movements and things like that. I mean, as somebody who just watched it for the first time, that kind of knocked my socks off because I wasn't expecting it from a movie that I feel like has, you know, such a wide following uh, outside of the cinephile community, and uh, generally you don't i there's a anti-correlation between sort of quality in those terms and popularity but um but that was really interesting and uh i hope to pick up that conversation as we talk about the movie as well as totally bring it down to a uh (laughs) to a first graders level of what is she doing and why is that happening and stop somebody stop them now (laughs) don't go in there
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean of course you got you gotta have some of that. Especially in this era of horror films before they became so self aware in like every character like when you have a when you have a horror movie now that the characters don't act like they understand what horror movies are, it's like completely obvious and terrible. Um but back then it was a quieter, simpler time in, in terms of horror films. Uh so I don't think the audience really really cared about that stuff so much
0: yeah uh, they
2: just wanted to be scared so we should scary.
0: we should have a fun time um going through this do you want to get started yeah sure sorry you're ready go. Go. all right um so opening credits we've got the uh uh super iconic score uh john mm-hmm. carpenter is the film's composer uh interestingly enough um i top think he, five... he does most of his
2: movies i think
0: is that right yeah the score. Okay. i think so yeah top five most famous movie scores of all time do you think it's on the list
2: I would say I would well, say that's I, probably in the
0: unfair. ballpark. I mean,
2: I might say more like top ten, but if you're talking horror films, it's one of the three that are the most iconic of all time.
0: Yeah. Sure. Do you yeah. want to guess the other
2: two that are obvious?
0: Um, probably uh, The Shining? Is there some
2: music? Just uh, Jaws count? Oh, come on. Dum-dum. Jaws count Don't, 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 don't. Yeah, of course Jaws. Oh, Yeah. I yeah,
1: I'm on. I'm on your wavelength. Like, I
2: get it. And then Psycho, of course. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Duh. Okay. Well, interestingly, so one of the names that pops up during the opening credits is that of Jamie Lee Curtis. This is our introduction to her as a film star, and mm-hmm. she is the daughter of Janet Lee. The uh, Heroin from uh, Psycho. So yeah. super interesting connection there. Um, I, I understand that she was not the first choice for uh, John Carpenter and his producers, but once they realized who she was, they, uh, I think, you know, thought the serendipity was too obvious to ignore. So that's pretty um,
2: interesting. I, I'll say that um, the, I just rewatched this film today as I like to do before I talk about, a film extensively, but I actually watched it with the director's commentary on because oh, uh, I thought there might be some interesting tidbits. Uh, and it was John Car- the, the Blu-ray collection that I have. It was John Carpenter and Jamie Lee Curtis. I don't know when it was recorded, but probably not super recently, but probably within the last 10 years or so. It was certainly more recent. Um, but that's interesting to hear that. Um, from what John Carpenter talks about, there were basically two contenders for the title role one was jamie lee curtis who he says he loved the first time he saw her audition and mm-hmm. uh, the other was i don't know the name of the actress but whoever was in jaws 2 though the, the the main female who was in jaws 2 uh, apparently was the other so maybe that was the the female star that uh, the producers may have wanted but i think we probably want to hold in that one because uh, jamie lee curtis is pretty great in this
0: uh, agreed, and yes.
2: Of course, and of course it launched her career. I mean, I think she was only 19 at the time uh, when they when they made this. So it was one of her first movies, and uh, she's gone on to, I don't think we really think of her as like an A-list star, but when you think of some of the movies she's been in, I mean, like True Lies, of course, Fish Called Wanda, Trading Places. I mean, some real
0: great classic movies. Freaky Friday. Well, was- sure. <laughs> Freaky Friday. <laughs> 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 um, so the other, I think, noteworthy part of the opening credits is just kind of the uh, the camera It slowly zooms in on this flickering jack-o'-lantern, and mm-hmm. uh, as soon as the credits finish, the light uh, inside the pumpkin uh, turns off, and uh, it just sets a really good scene, I think. Yeah,
2: it's, uh, we don't get a lot of credit sequences like this anymore. I mean, everything, if there is a credit sequence in a film, it's going to be something like crazy and kinetic. Uh, like the big-budget films that we see now, um, or like the television ones, which are sort of usually cryptic and lyrical. Uh, this one, just real simple uh, and really effective.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I don't know if it was something that um, was on his mind, but it reminded me of uh, Tarantino in uh, The Hateful Eight in reverse. Um, he had a uh, a really long opening um credit scene there that just kind of zoomed in on this uh piece of wood and then zooms out and has this you know, just you know enormous landscape and i thought that was kind of interesting um so then we get taken to haddonfield illinois um i was really excited to ask you guys about uh haddonfield and if you're if it's yeah. nearby but uh alas it is a fictional uh town, it is so.
2: <laughs> it is a fictional town but i i i would i would very much imagine that it is based on the suburbs like that I live in. I, I'm in the northern suburbs of Chicago, uh, very quiet, uh, very broad streets, big houses, uh, lots of trees. I was just uh,
1: out uh, way out west
2: western Illinois on the
1: border of Iowa there. Uh, yeah. we were driving through a town on our way back, and I was like this is this is some straight up Halloween, which which like that I don't have, I have no idea.
2: It was like way back from Galena. So it was like a tiny, like. I'm from out that way. So I probably would know it, but, uh, well, if if the film was from what I learned shot in Pasadena, which is not (laughs) suburban Illinois, um, (laughs) apparently there's some giveaways. If you re look really closely to, uh, to the surroundings that kind of, there's some little clues that you might see that they're in California. Um, for one none of the trees even though it's halloween none of the trees are uh changing colors they're all nice green leaves um uh, <laughs> yeah um but uh yeah i mean it's uh it's kind of a perfect setting i think for for a horror film and it, there weren't a lot of horror films that were set in american suburbs at this time so uh it kind of wasn't i mean it one of the one of the horror tropes that it really creates, and there are many, and we'll get to them, I'm sure, throughout this
1: mm-hmm.
2: discussion. Uh, one of them is 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 that it's it's where any of us could live, you know, uh, it's it's some of our backyards. So that kind of brings a different element to it.
0: Sure. Um, so uh, you know, I think probably goes without saying this is the standout sequence of the film. Uh, it's Halloween night in 1963. Uh, we get a five minute or so long uh, continuous first-person shot of someone peering into a window of a house. Two, teen- eight, two teenagers are very awkwardly making out. Um, the girl remarks that Michael is around somewhere. They go upstairs. Uh, the Leer enters the house, grabs a knife from the kitchen. The boy walks back downstairs and leaves. Then he goes upstairs, grabs a clown mask. Uh, our vision is now obscured with the exception of the two eye holes, which I thought was a cool touch. Um, and then the girl is, uh, brushing her hair, screams, Michael. Michael stabs her a bunch of times, walks back downstairs and out of the house. Um, right at this point, the camera does a, a like a 180 cut. And we see that Michael is just a little boy. He's holding the knife while his sister's blood drips out to the lawn. Um... What do we think about this, Sarah? Why don't you tell us? What do you think about this scene? As a uh, going back to watching the movie now, you know, a few times, um, does it do the same trick that it did the first time around for you, or you know, are you sort of better prepared for the uh, inventiveness that kind of took me by surprise and excited me?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, rewatching anything, it's like it's hard to to maintain like any level of shock or whatever especially with something like Halloween where I think a lot of people go into it already knowing sort of what's up uh but Um, I I just think that that is so well done and so poorly imitated when it's imitated like (laughs) like I think that people miss that one of I think what is one of the most important things is that the little little Michael is adorable like he's so cute in his little clown costume and like that is that is what is scary like it's not scary if you have somebody that looks like a serial killer because you're like well yeah he he would <laughs> like yeah, yeah i mean right. i don't i don't want to say that's that's always the case but i think a lot of the time people are like oh we need to make it we gotta make it creepier we gotta make it look scarier so we're gonna give him like one eye and like he's gonna look <laughs> all, like really like messed up and i'm just like yeah, scar across not his as face terrifying as thinking like the little boy down the street could do something like that. And like the look on his face is so good. Like the kid doesn't have to do a lot, but like what he does do, he really nails like, and like the way the parents are just like, we don't even, what what even happened? Like, why did this happen? I don't understand. And like the terror on the sister's face is like more impactful when you're like, how could you picture somebody like in your family that you love? That's like so innocent looking doing something like this. Mm -hmm. and i think that's really important for setting up what makes adult michael scary
0: i was i left the scene a little bit confused and and it never really cleared up in the movie for me as to whether like the family was surprised that michael was capable of this or if they sort of knew that he was just like a real bad kid that could have done something like this all along If but. you want to know the answer
2: to that, you should watch Rob Zombie's remake because they very explicitly <laughs> yeah. give you uh, plenty uh, of backstory into the, the childhood of Michael Myers that uh we'll, uh, we'll, we'll just you'll wish you didn't know that stuff. Yeah, yeah I'm really okay. I'm you, okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: I I like have like a five minute long monologue about why I hate all of that. I hate it. I hate yeah. it.
2: So we, can maybe touch a, we, can, we can maybe touch on the, the zombie oh. movies at the end, but, uh,
1: yeah, I two mean, it's... Two, a, two but, seconds. Just two sure. seconds to say, when you over-explain something, when you give it a million reasons, when you say, like, oh, the kid did it because he had a horrible childhood and all these terrible things happened, that is not as scary. That is not as scary. Like, that's just, I just don't think that there is any real parallel to saying, like, Oh, you have somebody that you set up and like primed as like, some kind of psychopath immediately for uh, this terrible childhood that explains all of it as versus like the little kid down the street who has a great family, who has good parents, who seems perfectly normal and totally fine, did this. That's scarier.
2: My favorite part of that opening uh, shot, which is a, a great just disguised long, uh, long take. Uh, going throughout the entire house, up the stairs, around everywhere, uh, in point of view. My favorite part is when uh, Michael is uh, killing his sister uh, with the knife, uh, this, like, giant phallic thing. Um, There's a moment where the point of view through the mask holes kind of looks up at the knife as he's holding it up, Mm -hmm. uh, which is, like, the most unnatural thing, like... (laughs) <laughs> no one would ever do that like look up to, to the knife holding it above his head uh but it looks like it's such an iconic kind of shot i mean like it's very uh i, I would i would guess it's very influenced by something like the shower scene in psycho sure um uh, but then you kind of also think like maybe this kid is kind of not knowing what the hell he's doing like why is he he's not in, himself sure what he's doing or like if he is sort of giving in to this sort of um, devil uh, that is maybe an explanation for what Michael Myers is. Like, maybe he would kind of look up at the knife before he plunges it back down and thinking, like, what am I doing? Uh, it's kind of a it's kind of an interesting little moment that is both very unnatural and very cinematic.
0: Yeah, yeah I was
2: totally cool. agree with that.
0: Uh... C- certainly reminiscent of Psycho, for sure. So, um, after this murder, uh, we jump 15 years ahead of time to, I guess, the present day. Uh, we're in Smith's Grove, Illinois. Do we know if this is a real place?
2: I don't think it is. No, I like <laughs> but <Smith>. it, sa- <laughs> it sounds like any one of a million Chicago suburbs, though. I mean, they're all groves or, you know, plains or whatever. So, it, it's uh, the title works
0: for it. Okay, that sounds good. Um, It is uh, one day away from the 15th anniversary of the crime. Uh, We meet Dr. Sam Loomis, who is, of course, played by Donald Pleasance. Um, He seems very genuinely spooked uh, by what uh, he's about to do. The woman with him, uh, I didn't catch her name. And uh, the nurse that's with him questions uh, why the doctor is calling the boy "it." Uh, she says, "Your compassion is overwhelming, doctor." Which uh, well, I really enjoyed that line a lot. Yeah, um, uh, so they're transporting now, uh, you know, I guess twenty something Michael Myers from a mental institution to another facility, uh, but he's escaped and he manages to commandeer the car they drove in. Uh, Loomis is now really frightened because he is pretty sure he knows where Michael's going. Um, and uh, we cut back to Haddonfield. Well, there's a great moment
2: here. When, I, I don't know, I can't remember the, the precise uh, dialogue, but uh, whoever's in charge of the facility or the transfer is like, well, I mean, he can't, obviously he can't drive a car. yeah, And, and, <laughs> and, and it's just kind of explained away as Loomis saying, well, maybe someone here taught him how to. But it is kind of, I mean, when you think about it, it's kind of silly. Like, this person is presumably been in a mental facility for you know since he was like six or seven years old or something and right. he kind of you know has no problem driving the car it's it's kind of a funny silly thing but uh uh so i i, I like that they try, <laughs> they at least mention it they at least broach the topic uh even if they don't actually give any sort of satisfying uh, uh satisfying reason why uh why this could happen
0: he does seem like very much in control of the car, uh, right. throughout the course of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, back in Haddonfield, we meet Laurie Strode, who is, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. And, um, I guess her father is a real estate agent. He's about to sell the Myers house and asks her to drop off the key. Um, she is accompanied by a young boy named Tommy Doyle who, um, she babysits and is going to be babysitting later that night. And, um, He tells her that no one's supposed to go in there because it's spooked. She walks up, leaves the key under the mat, and we see Michael peering through the broken window. Again, not exactly a first-person shot there, but as we'll see throughout the course of the movie um a lot of kind of quasi first person shots I'll call them where um we're seeing things from like adjacent to his point of view if that makes sense so we can kind of see what he's doing but not see, you know, his full profile or anything like that. So we know he's there. He's uh, got his eye on this girl and um and things are uh, looking a little uh, precarious. Fun so, fact. Yeah, oh, go. You have a fun fact. Yeah, fun fact
2: uh, for those who know the full series of Halloween films Tommy Doyle makes a reappearance in one of the later sequels it's either five or six I think it might be six uh and is played by a very young Paul Rudd really yes <laughs> wow <That'd be>
0: cool. <laughs> how about that okay cool um I'll have to check that out does he look as he does in uh, 2016 still <laughs> it, he looks
2: exactly the same
0: <laughs> it's bizarre. It's like 1989. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so, uh, you know, we've got, we kind of cut back and forth between scenes of now Loomis and Laurie and, and Loomis is just like, just raving about how this is going to be like the end of this town and uh, nobody seems to really care. Meanwhile, Laurie is starting to spot this creepy guy in a mask uh, all around town. She's in class. She's staring out the window. Um Her teacher calls on her to answer a question, and she does, and then the teacher sort of reiterates the point of the text they're discussing uh, and says, uh, fate never changes, which uh, seems a little bit foreboding, if you will.
2: Lori's such a nerd.
0: (laughs) We're going to talk a lot about that. (laughs) Um, So uh, then we have some, like, really, like, this town is just full. I have to get this out of the way now. This town is full of awful people. And uh, t- Tommy uh, is just kind of running around the schoolyard with his pumpkin, like minding his own <laughs> business. And these three, like just little shits, come up and start shouting at him about the boogeyman. And then they trip him, and he smashes his pumpkin. And I feel really bad for Tommy Doyle here. <laughs>
2: I would feel bad if Tommy wasn't such a little dweeb.
0: Oh, Aaron, come on. Sorry. <laughs> do you feel bad for Tommy? I can't.
1: Aw, little Tommy gets pumpkin smashed. I feel bad for him, but he gets bullied. Yeah. Well, cool. except for in Rap Zombies remake, that kid can get bullied all day long. That's fine.
0: Oh, boy. We're going to have to talk about this later. Uh,
1: <laughs> I promise um, I'll then... stop bringing it up. I'm done.
0: That's <laughs> no, okay. No, it's okay. It's good. Um, we see Loomis. Um, he is like in the middle of nowhere trying to make his way back to Haddonfield. And, um, to your point earlier, Aaron of like, obviously they filmed this in California. Like this is a hundred percent a desert <laughs> in supposedly in the middle, in between these two Illinois towns. Um, and so I thought that was uh, a little rough, but, um, yeah, he's like in the middle of the desert, making a phone call to somebody and had the police and, uh, basically telling them like, look out, he's on his way and I'm coming. I'll, I'll help. Don't worry. Um, we meet Laurie's two best friends, uh Linda and Annie. Um and uh they're smoking, they smoke a lot. Um Michael drives by and Annie yells, uh speed kills at him and mm-hmm. uh I don't really know what this means, but we're clearly uh supposed to think that Annie is a, is a, sort of a tough customer. Uh, yeah.
2: I- <laughs> that's that's a that's a funny little moment cuz for one, he's driving down this big suburban street, probably only at like twenty-five miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, like the car doesn't seem to be going that fast, but uh, and then after she yells at, at the car, it just kind of comes to a screeching halt and just sits there for like ten seconds. And uh, I mean, it's not particularly frightening uh, anymore, I, I, I would say. That, but that
1: is not true. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> I defend every single scare in this movie. All right, good.
2: <laughs> I I super because
1: I was I just I like that I like the setting up of the tension there uh, with something like, you have somebody like you said playing playing or acting or whatever like is this like tough like, you know screw you man what are you doing and then to have the car stop and. S- Stare at you like if that happened in real life, that would freak me out. Like I would be terrified. Yeah. Like, He's gonna run me over and murder me. He's gonna fall yeah. home and I'm gonna die. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, 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 I guess, guess I can guess see it. Any anything where like you're trying to do something and the, the response you're expecting is for the person to keep going and they don't. Like yeah, I like I like the the bit of tension that that can exist in that moment.
2: I guess I can see it being scary and like real world if it happened to you kind of way not necessarily in like a slasher horror movie
1: (laughs) I don't know like I guess I think it's just I think a lot of the things in these movies because I don't I don't watch them like Mm -hmm. that none of this stuff is played out for me it's like finding like a top 40 song and being like oh it's my favorite and everyone's saying oh I'm so sick of it I've heard it a million times I'm like well (laughs) I haven't I've seen Halloween and Scream and not a whole lot else. <laughs>
0: so. That's kind of where I'm coming from, too. <laughs> um, I did like the line uh, as he's driving away where Annie says that she hates a guy with a car and no sense of humor. And I just have me too. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, I, I'll say it's Linda, uh, was played by PJ Souls. Yeah. If I first saw this movie when I was like 13, 14 years old, I would have totally fallen in love. Uh, Linda, <laughs> I, think. I would have. I would have just been head over heels for her. I, I can kind of see why people would find her annoying. Uh, because she's kind of a fast talker, kind of almost like a Valley girl kind of personality, but I don't know. She's so cool.
1: I love her and her giant hair.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I like Annie's hair. Um, cool. and everyone so, has great hair. Let's be I honest. know it's 1978. Come on. Um, <laughs> so, uh, we also see, uh, Lori, she's back at home and, um, Michael is uh, outside of her bedroom window, and she's uh, really kind of starting to get freaked out now.
2: Yeah, very, very uh, creepy. A lot of great music cues uh, throughout this section, which kind of because it really is kind of slow for a while. There really isn't a lot that's happening. Mm Kind of just walking around, kind of seeing things. Maybe there's something there. Maybe there's not. But it's broad daylight. It's during the day. Like it's not not anything particularly. Um, like there aren't really any big time scares at this point. Um, I'd also call but it the music the, and the cinematography really work here. Yeah, yeah so I'd, I'd also would. call
1: the part of uh, the part of the horror movie, like in any horror movie, that uh, is m- always my favorite because I was like, "Oh, it's just a little spooky. I can watch this part hands free. <laughs> no, no peeking behind my fingers. This is great. I wish you- oh No, now it's nighttime and uh, my face is half hidden."
0: Yeah, that's kind of how it was for me, too. (laughs) And um, I do sort of agree that, like, the film starts off with a bang in the first two scenes, and then um, it kind of slows down a bit. And uh, getting to the next kind of big, exciting moments um, is a, a... process filled with agony for me i was just like i just needed to be, get here and be over with so i can breathe again because i was having a little bit of trouble during this whole sequence uh good like it? yeah go ahead
1: yeah no i was just gonna when like you were about to say what i was just about to ask I was like in a, in a good way or in a this plot is so tedious so like can't this movie like get on with it
0: no it was in a good way i didn't mean it to be uh tedious i just meant that like I was. We- I just knew, you know, kind of what was coming, generally speaking, yeah, and sure, yeah. it does take a long time to get there, even for just a 90-minute movie, but I thought it was all kind of well done and, and serves a purpose, so I appreciated that. Um, Dr. Lunas is uh, finally made it to Heddenfield. Um I wish we knew how long a drive it was, but uh, that is impossible to know. Um, he's visiting the grave of Judith Myers, uh, but it has been dug up, so he knows that uh that his guy's here. And uh so he decides he's going to kind of stake out the Myers household for the night. And then later in the day, um, Annie picks up Lori um, they are smoking. Uh, this is supposed to be that they're bad people, I guess, to a certain extent. Although Laurie coughs a lot, so clearly she's not that bad. <laughs> Annie, we learn, is the daughter of the town sheriff. Um, and uh, basically, what's happening this evening is uh, Laurie is going to go babysit Tommy Doyle. Um, Annie is going to babysit a girl named Lindsay, who lives like right across the street from Tommy. And then Linda is going to go out and hang out with her boyfriend, who I believe his name bob
1: yeah
0: okay thank you and uh and i you know there's a lot of vague talk of like oh well you can come over here and oh we'll see you there and oh we'll do this so they're even though they're all doing three separate things like it's pretty clear that they have plans to see one another throughout the night so um and indeed they will (laughs) yeah it's halloween night nobody's
2: parents are around you know they're all off, off at some adult party so they're not going to go trick-or-treating they're just going to hang out make out with their boyfriends and, and you know watch scary hang around movies with
0: children yes.
1: slowly murdered to death <laughs> as you do
0: <laughs> so um the uh so laurie and annie drive past the uh her dad annie's dad the sheriff um a hardware store was broken into but don't worry because they only stole a rope and a couple knives probably just some crazy kids right why in a Halloween mask? I think they said. <laughs> oh, so, uh, they got a Halloween mask at the hardware store. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: it was a different time.
1: It was it, it it's old timey hardware store. It's like a small town America hardware store. Where hardware oh, yeah. store. gal They got all kinds of stuff.
2: It's yeah. not a Home Depot or anything
1: like that. Yeah, no. it's not. A, it's not. And even Home Depots, they have like hot dogs and stuff. So if you know it's a family-owned
2: them. business. <laughs>
0: yeah. I they you know ten years earlier they could have called a general store and probably gotten away with it. Yeah. Um, uh, Loomis is at the hardware store. He, he knew the sheriff was going to be there and um, decides that they need to have a chat about Michael. Uh, meanwhile, Michael drives right past him, tailing the girls. Uh, and I just love the way that, like, Loomis is like looking out like towards the road, and just as Michael's about to drive by, he like turns and yeah. looks in the other direction. <laughs> the um, great thing
2: about all this car driving is you don't actually ever see like Michael driving the car. You just kind of see this car in the distance, yeah. and it's a recognizable. Car. so you know what it is um but they don't they don't really overdo it they just kind of keep it a little uh at arm's length uh, a little creepy you kind of know what's up but you don't you don't need to see too much
0: sure yeah no i thought that was good you're right about the car being recognizable and um i think all that works um so loomis and the sheriff are at the myers house now um we don't see it, but apparently Michael has, like, eaten a dog. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's the
2: implication there. It's a little, uh, it's a little gross. <laughs> it's
0: a little weird. Yeah, that was a little, I didn't totally follow all that. But, um, they go up to the room where Judith was killed. Uh, window breaks. I guess, like, the gutter, like, fell down on it or something like that. And then we see that Loomis has a gun. So he pulls his gun, and and the sheriff kind of makes fun of him. Like, boy, you're like, you're really spooked, aren't you, guy? And uh, he talks about he's a nice little monologue here about who Michael was and and how he got to know him when he was a boy. Um, he says that he was a boy who knew no longer knew the difference between good and evil, but at the same time he also says that behind his black eyes was nothing but evil. So um, I'm not yeah, sure. I have I have the monologue here. Should I read it? It's, yeah, please. Go I go mean, ahead.
2: it's it's basically just Doctor Loomis. Throughout most of the Halloween movies, is really just kind of exposition um but the delivery here and the the way that this is written is just like i mean it's perfect um he says i met him 15 years ago i was told there was nothing left no reason no conscious no understanding and even the most rudimentary sense of life and death of good and evil right or wrong i met this six-year-old child with blank pale emotionless face and the blackest eyes The devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind the boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. So it's great. I mean, I don't, I mean, there's no better pitch man for the Halloween movie uh, or Michael Myers as a villain than Dr. Loomis. And even if that's all he really is, uh, it works.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I had read uh, that. Apparently, Christopher Lee was the original guy they wanted for the role of Doctor Loomis. He turned it down, oh. and uh, he went on to say that that was the biggest regret of his uh, career.
2: He turned it down because he had twenty other movies he was shooting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's true, of course, but it seems plus Wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. Now. Um. We've got uh, these girls are at you know kind of on their respective uh, babysitting duties and. And, uh, Annie, uh, it appears is in some, some big fucking trouble. (laughs) And, uh, she's at this, uh, Lindsay's house and, um, the dog starts barking. Um, we see that Michael is outside. Um, she's on the phone with Laurie and, uh, I guess spills something on her clothes (laughs) and decides to take them off. And she puts on like some random person's old shirt. The dog gets outside You know, a little sex appeal
2: You gotta have a little sex appeal here
0: Yeah, yeah Um, So (laughs) the dog gets outside And uh, Michael uh, has his way with the dog Laurie and Tommy are across the street And they're watching Howard Hawks' The Thing Which uh, really made me laugh Because, of course, um, John Carpenter Would uh, direct a remake of that film uh, Four years later Which is uh, one of my favorite horror movies Of the four that I've seen same yeah it's a great little
2: homage to that uh and apparently john carpenter in the director's commentary said that that was his personal i guess it was like a beta like a beta disc uh uh, beta cassette uh his from his personal collection and it was one of his favorite movies so yeah at that time it was a little bit of foreshadowing
0: yeah it's kind of funny in hindsight um then uh so apparently at this Lindsay's house her parents house they have the laundry like in a separate building, like out past the backyard. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like stuff. a like a storage yeah, shed.
1: Yeah, or yeah. like a a separate, like a detached, like mudroom is what they would call it. Like uh, attached to your garage or next to your garage or something. Can yeah,
0: we call it a rumpus room. <laughs>
1: nah, that's like a
0: basement. Okay. It sounded like a real nice 70s term. Um, (laughs) So Annie goes out with just the shirt on to the laundry, uh, because I guess while you're babysitting, it is just uh, a horrific idea to uh, have a tiny stain on your shirt. Um, I don't think this is a good decision, and not just because... boyfriend's coming over. A psycho murderer lurking around outside. I think he would understand, right? (laughs) So... Uh, as I was saying uh, earlier, we're on a really windy path to begin uh, the film's murder streak, but it finally begins with Annie. Uh, she is about to go uh, pick up Paul. She drops off Lindsay at, uh, at across the street with uh, Laurie, and Michael is sitting in the car waiting for her, and he strangles her, and then I believe uh, stabs her once, or cuts her throat, or something.
2: Yeah, there's barely any blood in the in the entire movie. It's um very different than many of the films it would inspire over the eighties. Yeah. Um but good to note that Lindsay uh is played by uh Kyle Richards, who's most now known as uh one of the uh, Real Housewives, I believe, if I can recall from my wife's uh fandom, I believe uh, she sure, is sure, yeah, okay. <laughs> she's yeah. She's either. I think Kyle Richards is in *Real Housewives of Beverly Hills*. Now, don't hold me to that. but I, I believe that <laughs> is the
0: write
1: case. It. Everybody, write in with uh, corrections.
0: Yeah, to <laughs> yeah. correct. She is she a *Real Housewife* of Haddonfield, uh, Illinois? Yeah,
2: *Real Housewife* of Haddonfield. That would be fun. That could that be. Uh, that would be a, a fun little uh, parody. Yeah, that would be fun.
1: short season. They're all dead.
2: <laughs> <laughs> or they just wouldn't not, exist because there are no adults yeah. in this
0: yeah nah. they're all at the same uh, halloween party which uh, is going to be uh uh michael myers is going to miss somehow yeah so. it's
1: just really it's just really really dark and depressing because it's basically just a parents of murdered children meeting
0: <laughs> more or less yeah Jeez.
1: <laughs> keeping things light this a podcast.
0: indeed um so uh so We see Tommy um, is uh, looking out the window. Um, He's really scared of the boogeyman after um, those douchebag kids terrorized him earlier in the day. And um, he sees Michael bringing Annie's body back into uh, Lindsay's parents' house, and uh, he's really scared of this. Uh, Laurie kind of tells him that there's no such thing as a boogeyman, and and you don't have to worry about it. But she's a liar, so that's okay.
2: (laughs) Do we we blame those... uh... Uh, douchebag kids at the beginning uh, for some sort of karmic uh, manifestation of the boogeyman by, by bullying uh, Tommy.
0: Is that uh, what this
2: really is? Do you think? Yes.
0: Yes. I mean,
2: it is quite the coincidence, right?
0: <laughs> it is a really big coincidence, but those three shitty kids are back and uh, we see them uh, sneaking, trying to sneak into the Myers house and uh one of my favorite little moments. Uh, yeah, Loomis sort of scares them off. <laughs> yeah, it actually humanizes Loomis a little bit. Which, I uh, love that scene.
2: <laughs> it's, an, it's a nice little moment. It adds a little bit more character uh, depth uh, to him, which is fun. We
0: I uh, neglected to bring up, um, when you were talking about Loomis and his big monologue earlier, um, as far as like his skills as a... Therapist go because we uh, discussed therapy so much in our last episode about <laughs> the departed. Do you think yeah. he uh, is an improvement over uh, Vera Farmiga's character? In well, the movie? If, if Vera
2: Farmiga had to deal with Michael Myers, I mean, is there really he like been any loaded
0: up
1: on clonopin or
2: whatever? <laughs> <laughs> is there any He's real weird, like correlation? Here? <laughs> I mean, you gotta admit. Dr. Loomis has a much more difficult case here. So it, whether or not he's a good therapist, I, I think uh, I think we have to uh, we have to pity him a little bit, at least. Yeah. yeah they, do, they do a
1: good job tossing in the line that, that that you said in his monologue. But like, you know, I spent six years trying to get through to him mm-hmm. and failing over and over and over again. Uh, which like, that sounds like some, some 1970s, you know, maybe not really understanding what a sociopath is and like assuming it must mean evil if you want to get like modern psychology in the mix i was like yeah i mean that seems reasonable like that is if you thought somebody was a sociopath with no like moral compass that had committed murder uh you wouldn't be in any rush to let them out you'd be pretty concerned if they did get out
2: and in his defense michael myers has been killed nine or so times and is uh, come back every time so maybe there's something going on here uh that uh loomis knows that uh nobody else seems to to get
0: It does seem uh stand reason that maybe they should have consulted somebody from a bigger town than haddonfield um with all due respect to the haddonfield uh uh, you know, psychological association. Um, maybe not offering the same thing <laughs> well, that it's... somebody from Boston or Chicago or New York is, but that's okay. It's in
2: Sam's Grove, technically, right? Because they they go oh, ahead Smith, and go...
0: Smith's Grove,
2: Smith's Grove, right? But that right. when you do mention that, it is a little strange to have this very sort of proper British uh, doctor at some who knows where uh, psychiatric clinic uh, in the middle of the uh, flyover states. Uh, When you put it that way, it is a little strange.
1: (laughs) No, it all makes sense in the fiction, you guys. Got to keep him out there. Can't keep him in the city, because if he's in the city and he gets out, he's going to murder everybody.
0: Here he's got to steal a
1: car first. (laughs)
0: Um, The the sheriff is back um, at the Myers house with Loomis, and uh, Loomis has another fun quote. Death has come to your little town. You can either ignore it or help me destroy it so um so yeah so now um linda is back and uh she and bob are uh have showed up at lindsey's house to make out even though annie is nowhere to be seen um i really would like at this point to talk about how um Annie is probably the worst babysitter of all time, even though I don't like to speak ill of the dead. But is there any, I mean, she go, went ahead and has been sort of parading around um, in somebody's shirt. She dropped the kids she's watching off at the neighbor's house. And now she has invited her friend and her friend's boyfriend to show up and kind of just have their run of the house.
2: Do you think the payment uh, was deferred to Lori? For the,
0: the babysitting duties? It should. Only fair, right? I think so. I I, I was wondering about that, at least, you know, a, a portion of it.
1: Yeah, no, so that actually starts to touch on something that's, uh, it, it's it's sort of tied into my love of the movie and it was one of the, uh, it was kind of a line of thought that I hadn't considered. Uh, it was when I studied this movie for my class, uh, my professor at the time made an argument for it that I had never considered and it is my favorite Favorite thing, uh, which is that every, or, you know, perhaps not every, but a lot of the movies that copy Halloween follow the pattern of if you have sex, you die. And that's right. all that they're really doing. And the problem is that they misunderstood what Halloween was doing because that's not why the girls die in Halloween. They, they die when they're bad babysitters, when they're ignoring the children just like Michael was being ignored when his sister was supposed to be watching him, but she had her boyfriend over at the beginning of the movie. And oh. that's like my favorite like reasoning for it. I love it. I think there's plenty of evidence to support it. And oh. I think that's a lot more interesting than just like sex is bad. Don't do it.
0: <laughs> um, well, to speak to that a little bit, I, I did read that um, when they were conceiving of this movie, um, John Carpenter had originally titled it The Babysitter Murders. And then they sort of had the idea to set it on Halloween night and and, and went just with Halloween, which uh, is a much catchier title, but uh, perhaps the original one uh, has, uh, has some support for your theory there. I, I like it, too. So, um, we're back at, uh, Lindsay's house and we've got, um, Linda and Bob on the couch. Michael is watching them. They decide to move up to the bedroom, which is, uh, so entirely inappropriate. I cannot even begin to (laughs) to explain why. Um, I would say that as far as, you know, Annie being maybe the worst babysitter of all time, I would say Linda is equally uh, as bad a house guest. And, uh, she is even in the best case scenario, creating a world of Trouble for Annie, um, as far as messing up their uh, these people's bedroom and they're smoking after they uh, finish having sex. And then Linda says, oh, it's,
1: "It's 1978. You could smoke like in hospitals. You could smoke in restaurants. That was fine."
0: Yeah, but I think the idea that like <laughs> these people are gonna walk into their bedroom and be like, "Why are there like cigarette ashes in here? And why is it smelling? Like, you know, like who was in here?" Um, those crazy kids and then they're just uh she's she like instructs pop to go get her beer out of the refrigerator <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: yeah
0: <laughs> oh my goodness i was a lot more careful she's my when girl. i was that age
2: <laughs> that's, that's my that's my lady i fell in love with uh, and <laughs> this is I your girl aaron girl. yeah yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'd say we do not get uh as much of linda as we do of uh annie Um, But uh, she also is creating some um, problems for uh, their little group of friends. And um, Bob goes to get her a beer before he finishes even pouring it. Um, Michael uh, kills him. He lifts him up against the wall of the kitchen and stabs him. And then he kind of dangles there, which was uh, one of the, uh, I guess, squirmier scenes of the movie. Me. one
1: of my number one spookiest scenes yeah um for sure uh because it also is uh sort of a little bit of a callback to the scene that Aaron was talking about earlier where he has the mask on at the beginning of the movie and he's kind of looking at the knife in that unnatural way uh that you could almost argue to be uh, a child not really understanding what it is that they're doing
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the way he looks at what he's done to Bob tacking him up on the wall there with like this little tilt of his head, almost like a dog, like, yeah. like looking at something that it doesn't really understand, but it knows. It's like, he knows that he did something, but he doesn't really know what he did or how he feels about it. If he feels anything at all. Yeah. Uh, sure. And I think that that is what helps to make that one of, uh, uh, plus also like turn the lights on, man. Like, why are you going down there in the dark?
2: Why would you They do were that? big
0: into energy uh,
2: conservation.
0: So um, Bob is dead, and it seems that uh, Michael has very suddenly and quickly developed a sense of humor because he covers himself in a white sheet and wears Bob gla- Bob's glasses while he <sighs> yeah. strangles Linda with the telephone cord. Lori is this on the other e- line. This doesn't exactly fit <laughs> with <laughs> the
2: kind of uh, killer Michael Myers is but it is kind of a funny turned creepy kind of moment. Like it's, really it's a nice scene. It's a nice scene sort of on its own. Whereas, you know, in any other case in in most of the other movies, like you don't have the, the goofiness that like Jason Voorhees would kind of get into. Uh, it's pretty much a straight up dude, you know, in this mask going to stab you to death or kill you in some way. But uh, this is, eh, it brings a little life and a little, little bit of humor to the movie. So I can't blame it for that.
0: I enjoyed it quite a bit. And, uh, so Laurie decides she's going to go and check things out after this weird phone call. Um, and, uh, meanwhile, Loomis, uh, spots the car that Michael stole from him. So he knows he's getting close. And, um, I, I noticed that Laurie's trip across the street is just like interminably long. Um, she finally walks into the bedroom and sees Annie's body sprawled out across the bed with Judith Meyer's tombstone at her head, which yeah. um, Aaron, w- w- is there any significance in this image? Because I was a little confused as far as like, is, does Michael think that Annie was his sister or something like that?
2: Um, you know, I'm not sure. I don't think
0: it's as much as that is.
2: Maybe it's kind of like the theory that Sarah was, was pointing at about, mm-hmm. Um, the type of uh, of girl that this is um this sort of free spirited babysitter uh who isn't particularly uh, doing her job um or or you know fulfilling her responsibilities. I don't know if it has really anything more to do than that um I mean as the 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 franchise would go on, there is much more about. I mean, just the idea, the act of, of Michael returning home and this sort of obsession that he has with with his family and potentially his, uh, his family that still exists in Haddonfield or elsewhere. Um, but I don't know if it was like a literal, anything literal about him thinking that that this was his sister, but I don't know, maybe more of just sort of a metaphorical. That kind of thing okay yeah. it's, a, it's a great image
1: though uh i also like that it's her her lori finding that um mm-hmm. is almost like the thing that has really marked her for she's about she's about to get hunted down because she only finds it because she leaves the kids alone oh which yeah is not what a good babysitter would do so the kids are alone, there's something wrong, and now, now that seems to be the, the thing that actually causes Michael to start seriously going after her.
0: Um, she becomes a worse babysitter in a few minutes, but we'll get there. Uh... Yeah. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, so now, uh, Laurie has discovered her friend's body. Uh, she walks backwards into the closet and Bob just sort of swings down. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which made me laugh, and, and I couldn't picture exactly how he was, uh, dressed up in there. But, um... But it was an amusing uh, image, and then Linda's body is in there also behind some other door, and uh, as she's kind of walking away, Michael takes a swing at her with a knife, but just kind of grazes her arm, and she falls over the banister uh, down to the stairs. And then we're off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now we're we're going here. So uh, she runs outside, and I have here the world's worst person, uh, who's uh, Lindsay's parents' neighbor. Uh, looks outside, turns the light on, and then just shuts the light back off and goes goes back to what they were doing um, <laughs> while uh, Laurie is screaming, "Help! Help! Help!" So um, instead, she runs back to where the children are, which I think is a really irresponsible choice as a babysitter. That she's go—I mean, I understand that she's sort of going back to like try to get something, some help. But if there's a murderer yeah. with a knife after her, I would probably not go to where these two uh, young people are located.
2: You know, I never really uh, thought of that, but I think that's a great point
0: um so you know she's back inside it takes tommy a little while to uh, wake up and let her back in and uh in the meantime michael gets in the house the phones are dead he takes another stab at laurie and misses she gets him with a knitting needle in the neck which was a, a nice nice little maneuver um he falls down and appears to be dead she picks up his knife looks at it drops it on the ground yeah, that's dumb. Oh my god, <laughs> so dumb.
1: <laughs> that's that's dumb in the world of slasher slasher tropes existing.
2: Yeah. And
1: I like it in this because I it's the precursor to that. And then what it I feel like what it's actually trying to do is humanize her as somebody who, like, why, like, if, why would you think to to further murder the person you think is dead? Like, I, I, why would you go to town stabbing what you think is a corpse when you're just, like, a 16-year-old girl that's, like, trying to do a babysitting
0: job? I, I wouldn't expect like, her to, like... I, I think
1: there's a moment of humanity there. Like, that's supposed to be the line in the sand between a normal human, like lori and this psychopathic killer like she doesn't want to stab anybody
0: yeah i think that's fair but i i wouldn't have expected her to just go and stab his dead body over and over and over again but just like (laughs) don't like leave the weapon uh downstairs and go up to look at these children like at least you know you don't know if there's a second murderer so have something to protect yourself
1: true but i think that would definitely step up the worst babysitter award if you're like kids are you all right i'm (laughs) going to shing a bloody knife don't
0: worry i got (laughs) the knife like we're good (laughs) yeah i don't know i mean and it's it's so hard to say like whether i know to grab the knife because i've seen a couple of horror movies and that you know you're not supposed to leave the weapon right there where the dead body is because it might come back to life um,
1: yeah i definitely see the, the issues with that like and, and the point we are now where slash movies have been done and redone and made fun of and made self-aware and spoofified and whatever like we know all the rules uh but that's why i just kind of like to call it back to like there, there really weren't rules when this yeah. movie was made and i that's why i like so much of what what it's doing because i want to try and read it outside of that context
0: yeah, yeah you know? that, that's good. No, I appreciate that, too. Um, so Michael comes back upstairs. Uh, Lori locks herself in the closet. Um, you know, if we're going to... Uh, uh... Too
1: scary. Too spooky. <laughs> yeah. Too spooky for me.
0: <laughs> and um, so uh, Michael gets into the closet. There are some wire hangers in there. So uh, clearly this family had not yet seen Mommy Dearest. Um, well, it hadn't come out yet. But... Um, She uh, fashions one of the wire hangers into uh, a knife of sorts and stabs him in the eye, um, which was a nice move. I uh, will question its sort of plausibility uh, that she had such perfect aim and that he was so slow with the knife that she could uh, she could pull it off. But good for you, Laurie. And uh, he drops the knife. uh, She picks it up. She stabs him in the chest and he falls down again, apparently dead. Um Yeah, and then, she's dead forever. I, ha- I have here <laughs> girl, you've got the knife, right? Girl, please tell me you have the fucking knife. Please pick <laughs> up the goddamn knife. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Uh, one time it happens
2: maybe you can write that off but the second time it happens you might
0: want to get the knife i think you want to have something besides a hanger to protect yourself after he comes back to life a second time um but what do i know so he sits up again the kids run outside for help and loomis is there he hears the screaming and he runs um laurie tears off the mask uh, which was interesting because uh, we see Michael's face and he just looks like some dude. Um, and uh, Loomis comes in and he shoots Michael about like six or seven times. He goes uh, sort of off a balcony, uh, falls down to the street level, and they uh, have this just oh, such a wonderful line. Um, was it the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. That sounded like uh, more like Shaft than uh, than <laughs> Loomis, but yeah, you get the idea. <laughs> Great line. Um, and so then he goes over to uh, check him out, and uh, shit, he's gone.
2: And the the score just
0: pops right there wonderfully, and
2: uh, and we're out. It ends there. Yeah. Uh, now that, I don't know if you guys have seen this. Um, there's, I think it's still on YouTube. You might be able to find it on YouTube. Uh, back when the film came out. Or at some point, um, I think it—I think it's when the, the the original theatrical release. Somebody somehow had a camera in the theater, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a great, just amazing YouTube clip of these kind of final scenes from the closet mm-hmm. to when Michael Myers that very last time he kind of sits up in the background with with Laurie in the foreground, not looking and just kind of terrified, uh, and the the audience reaction to this is just amazing, like yeah. they go absolutely nuts, which is really fun because I mean, I think at this point and and we'll have a piece up from another uh of our writers who hadn't seen Halloween before, but uh kind of an interesting question if 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 um this movie is still really scary, I think, for someone who's never seen it and I mean, I guess from from John and Sarah, I I guess it it still is, but Mm -hmm. um, I think other people have kind of a different opinion. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of fun to see how it was when it first played, when nobody knew what to expect, when these tropes about the killer not being really dead didn't really exist, that uh, people really went went, uh, bananas over over the filmmaking here.
0: (laughs) I can see it. Um, So uh, one fun fact about the... um the mask that gets uh that michael wears and that gets ripped off in the scene it was actually purchased for a dollar 98 and it was a william shatner in star trek mask yeah
1: i love that fact. they
0: just and kind of painted a white Yes, they painted it sort of a bluish white, and
1: uh, uh... actually, what I I thought what I heard is that they have flipped it inside out.
0: Oh, okay, that might be it. They did. Yeah,
2: paint it. Was, oh.
1: it was white on the That's why it looks kind of weird, like uh-huh. not yeah. quite perfectly face shaped. Is that, that they just sense. and that that's why the hair looks insane too. Yeah. it's just yeah. All the way through. So when you flipped the mask inside out, it created this thing where you're like, "Wow, I I hate it. I hate this this thing I'm looking at." <laughs>
2: you want another? <laughs> Do you want another Michael Myers fun fact? Yeah, please. Uh, So Nick Castle uh, is the credited uh, uh, performer as Michael Myers, or as he is known in the credits as The Shape. Uh, He went on, he apparently was uh, a friend of John Carpenter's, and they went to film school together. And Nick Castle went on to actually have a career in films. Uh, He wrote, among other things, uh, the screenplay, or at least had part of uh, a writing credit for hook the oh. uh <laughs> the spielberg film yeah uh, and he directed among other things uh major pain the damon wayans <laughs> movie oh wow okay That's, so isn't that bizarre That is um, bizarre. I, yeah <laughs> and he was yeah he was the only person that was credited as playing michael myers or the shape in this movie but kind of as you might expect. There yeah. were a few different people who, you know, put on the jumpsuit and put on the mask, depending on, I think, who was on set or just whatever they needed for the particular scene. Um, but I think a lot of the major moments uh, where. Major really pain moments? What, yes, the major pain moments where you see Michael kind of up close uh, were Nick Castle. And it's really actually a, a pretty awesome performance for not having to do really anything. It's still, he's able to make the character pretty pretty scary and like you mentioned before um sarah when he tilts his head just ever so slightly those Mm -hmm. kind of mannerisms i think really uh lent a lot to the character uh and it's by far the best michael myers uh performance in in any of the, the films
0: um i like the breathing we didn't uh bring that up at all but um you can hear you know just sort of this like Wheezy breath uh, in a lot of the sequences, um, either the first persons or the first person adjacents, like I was telling you earlier. And um, I thought that was uh, a neat touch. So that's Halloween. And um, before we sign off, we just would like to say, well, thank you for, uh, to both of you for joining me. And um, we had a lot of fun recording our first episode on the departed, um, which you can check out on uh, the or you can check out on iTunes because uh, thanks to Aaron, we are on there right now and you can subscribe to the podcast and download new episodes. And if you enjoyed, um, what we've been putting out then, uh, leave us a review and, and, uh, help us help other people, uh, discover the show, uh, because we have a lot of fun putting them together and we're going to have more, uh, coming up over the course of the next few months. We've got a nice schedule planned out that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. So, um, yeah, like just like the site, a lot of different kinds of things we'll be talking about. So yeah, it should be fun. I think so. I'm excited. Um, so I guess that's about it, but, um, We'll uh, sign off. And I'm John Gopatrick. Joining me are Sarah Gore and Aaron Pinkston. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon.
1: John, what's behind you?
0: Oh, my God. <laughs>